welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you once again for joining me today in what was a Minnesota Vikings game versus the Dallas Cowboys, a primetime game, a game with, was it really good offense? Was it really bad defense? Was it really weird mistakes and play calling by the Dallas Cowboys? I don't know. I think it was all the above. But regardless, at the end of the day, the Minnesota Vikings somehow, someway come out with a 28-24 primetime Sunday night football victory. And not to mention it was on the road in Jerry World or whatever you want to call it, AT&T, whatever. Well, regardless, the Minnesota Vikings beat the Dallas Cowboys on the road for the first time since 2000. <clears throat> Troy Aikman was playing in his final season. I believe he suffered a concussion in that game. Emmett Smith was still there. So a lot of the old Super Bowl champion Dallas Cowboys that we love to hate in Texas Stadium. The Minnesota Vikings defeated the Cowboys about 19 years ago, November 23rd. That was more than likely another, <laughs> that was right around Thanksgiving and JFK assassination, all that stuff, right around that same week. 19, 19 whole years ago already, so crazy. It took that long to win in Dallas again, but the Vikings did it. That's nice. We play a team coming up this week of the Denver Broncos. We've only played 14 times. That's insane. We'll keep that into segment number two. Lots to say about this one, of course. Lots of commentary and the Facebook page and all that. And first of all, I want to apologize to some of you out there that might have not liked some of the overreaction I might have had time and time again. But I suppose we all get mad and overreacted. I was probably sounding a little unprofessional in the way I was tweeting out or posting this and that on Facebook. Freaking out every time Amari Cooper caught something on the sidelines or the Vikings couldn't stop a third down for their life. Like, most of the game and stuff. That was extremely crazy. At least the Vikings were good in the red zone when it superly counted, but my goodness, it felt like Dak Prescott did whatever he wanted in this game. 46 attempts, 28 completions, miraculously barely over 60% because of well, the Vikings defense was okay at times, and sometimes he had to throw the ball away to Dak Prescott. So there was some hope out there. There was the semi-trick play where they had Randall Cobb rolling out after doing a reverse to him, and that didn't work. Thank goodness. That could have been a big blow to the Minnesota Vikings as well down the stretch. Uh, Kirk Cousins, well, his uh, primetime record moved up a little bit. What does he have, like seven wins now in primetime? So it's about time. Let's keep this moving in the right direction, getting his uh, record against winning teams up. But the Cowboys are barely a winning team. But hey, they were a winning team. He was on primetime, so he moved both of those dubious records up a little bit. Added another victory. And a lot of people will tell you that uh, Kirk Cousins didn't exactly have a very good team in front of him. And a pretty bad defense in Washington during his time there. So that certainly did some damage to his record in prime time, on the road, and against winning teams. So again, it was all the above there. On the road, prime time, winning teams. That's why every expert, so to speak, quote-unquote, on NBC picked the Dallas Cowboys to beat the Minnesota Vikings, just the United States, you know, or just whoever, like like American voters, whatever, how you can just click win. You could click Vikings or Dallas. Picked, was it 51% picked the Minnesota Vikings, so the only one correct was the uh, the fan voters, and that's it. <clears throat> kind of funny, but glad that they were right, and all the experts were wrong, and, and I wouldn't necessarily call myself an expert. I like to believe that, but may, some of you may disagree. <laughs> I picked the Dallas Cowboys to win this game in a low-scoring effort. Thank God that was not the case, but whew, boy, did it come close to being the case. Starting out the game, though, the Minnesota Vikings were taking it to the Cowboys, giving the ball to Dalvin Cook, screen plays, handoffs, whatever it was. The Minnesota 
Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook were pretty much lighting up the Dallas Cowboys in the opening two drives of the game, and that felt damn good. Dallas Cowboys attempting a 57-yarder on their failed uh, drive early in the game, and a lot of people are wondering what the heck that was all about. Like, what's the point? Either go for it or punt in that case. Why run somebody out for a 57-yarder? That wasn't even close. That was definitely not good for the morale of the Dallas Cowboys, particularly when it got to a point they were down 14 nothing. But, of course, you know, the other shoe was going to drop. Once the Vikings went up 14 nothing. we thought, wow, this is going to be easy. Minnesota's going to blow out the Cowboys like we did with Detroit, like we did with the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, the other quote-unquote decent teams. Detroit didn't have a winning record, but it was a road game, and Vikings don't always win in Detroit. And, of course, Philadelphia had a quote-unquote winning record, and they were a team that a lot of people were actually picking to possibly compete for the NFC Championship this year. And the way the Vikings just kind of took it to that club, you thought, here we go, we're actually going to take it to the Cowboys. It's like the perfect game plan. And offensively, it was a really good game plan. Way better than whatever the heck we were doing in Kansas City. It was basically, you know, you saw all the bootlegs and the rollouts and all that such that we saw against Detroit and Philadelphia and the Giants and the and the Raiders, but especially Detroit, Philadelphia, because those defenses are a little bit better than, uh, you know, Kansas, you know, than like, you know, Washington and stuff like that. And, and, the, and the Raiders at the time, whose defense was not too good. They got a little better, and the Raiders are surprisingly a team with a winning record competing with the Chiefs for the uh, AFC West. I can't even believe I'm saying that. They're actually competing for the AFC West, and they're, like, tied with Pittsburgh for the wild card. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody saw that happening. I'm wondering. I apologize. But uh, <clears throat> it was a great game plan. A lot of what we've been doing right the previous weeks before the Kansas City game was brought back into play, and, well, we won the game. I mean, plain and simple, we won the game. We came out firing. Unfortunately, couldn't score, couldn't do anything in the fourth quarter, and that's where a lot of the Kirk Cousins haters came out because you saw a little bit of that nervousness coming back. You saw the inability to get those first downs, those crucial first downs coming back, and then you saw the Minnesota Vikings defense, particularly in the second quarter, but really most of the game, fail time and time again on third down conversions with the Dallas Cowboys. It was beyond frustrating to all of us that were suffering through this game. As fun as it was, it was a fun, entertaining game, and if you were a fan that was like a neutral fan in, you know, Baltimore or Florida or something... It was a fun game to watch, but if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan, it was nauseating. Uh, luckily, the Vikings did convert third down conversions in the first half, and generally speaking, 8 of 14 isn't bad, but 9 of 15, it felt like they were 15 of 15 with the Dallas Cowboys throughout the game. It was extremely frustrating. Cowboys failed twice on fourth down, thankfully, and the Vikings actually uh, got the fourth down when they needed it late, when they needed to get one of those late scores down the stretch that saved the Vikings' asses. On one of those huge drives, put the Vikings back ahead after the Cowboys quickly tied things up in that second quarter, including uh, the Vikings luckily wrapping up a solid drive. Unfortunately, could not go for the end zone, but got close to it, putting the Vikings ahead 17-14 at the half. Kind of a scary situation there. You thought, oh my God, we, we might find a way to lose this game after going up 14 nothing. It's not fun. Luckily, Vikings get the ball back to start out the second half, but things just didn't start out so well. <clears throat> and that's where the frustration continued, without a doubt. And again, yes, thankfully, I am recording today on Monday morning when I thought the odds of this happening were pretty slim, but it's just too cold out. But it's not even that. It's the fact that there's some snow on the ground, so it can't really <clears throat> work 
right now outside i can work at the regular job oh goody but obviously the regular job but uh gotta work outside so luckily this show miraculously is on i had a feeling i wasn't gonna be able to do a show this week <laughs> so again be happy that <laughs> i'm happy i was able to get this done and those of you that are obviously fans of the show and wanted me to get this out here it is of course <clears throat> But no, a frustrating back-and-forth game. You saw Amari Cooper make catch after catch after catch on the sidelines. And it's like, how can he make it every single time? And he was making it every single time. And it was always in those crucial plays, second and long, third and long. It felt like Dak Prescott could do whatever he wanted. You finally got to him a couple times, thank God. But generally speaking, every time you thought you had Dak Prescott including one where Everson Griffin looked like he had him absolutely. Dak Prescott somehow squirms away and then releases the ball for another one of those sideline catches. It was either to Kabul Cooper or to Jason Witten that was just yet another first down for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, of course, some of those conversions were on second down and just generally speaking plays that you thought the Vikings were going to stop the Cowboys. You thought, here we go, we're going to get the sack, we're going to get them to third and long, second and long, whatever the heck, generally speaking, third and long. And then there it was, another 11-yard, 13-yard conversion, and it was just beyond frustrating for all of us. Uh, not one of the cornerbacks looked good in this game today, I'd have to say. Uh, not one of them. Daniel Hunter provided some pressure, never could actually get to Dak Prescott. Minnesota actually got one stack in the game. Everson Griffin was credited with it, along with Armand Watts in the, in the fourth quarter. That was a big play that helped stop the Cowboys in one of those drives. <clears throat> you felt a hell of a lot better after that. But generally speaking, the Vikings defense wasn't what it's been the last many years. Uh, and it hasn't been pretty much most of the season, particularly the past defense. You saw McKenzie Alexander getting beat. You saw Mike Hughes getting beat. And of course, Amari Cooper. It's those kind of plays where it's like, what can you do? It's like the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar skyhook. You know, I mean, you can't go over the guy to block the shot. It's a foul, right? Just like you can't, you know, I mean, you the ball was unreachable for the defensive player. It's unreachable for the defensive player, and oftentimes wide receivers taller, this and that. That's just how the game is. Wide receivers are tall for a reason because they need the reach. They need the reach to catch over a cornerback, you would hope, make the big play. And, of course, not every wide receiver is tall, but most wide receivers are. It's the slot, cor- it's the slot corners, slot receivers that are usually not the taller guys. Those are the guys you go into the flat with some speed and hopefully can get some momentum and a little jukey action as well to get around some, uh, you know, defensive backs and, and linebackers, <clears throat> per se. But no, I mean, Amari Cooper, he made about four Chris Carter-like catches on the sideline. Some of them were, it's just, I don't know how he was able to make those catches. I kept feeling like some of that's pure luck, but then at the end of the day, you know, give him credit, they were spectacular plays. And at the time, when you're in the heat of the battle, so to speak, watching a game, you want to win so bad. And you, you, there's so much bloody history with this Dallas Cowboys team going all the way back to, to uh, Drew Pearson. And, of course, I wasn't around quite for that, but still, you know, that's where a lot of it started. And the Cowboys started winning Super Bowls after that, their first of five, beating the Denver Broncos, who was next week's opponent for Minnesota. Um, just a lot of fr- frustration, angst. I mean, you, does anybody like Jerry Jones? I mean, did anybody really like the 90s Cowboys? I mean, some people did, obviously, but i got to think most Minnesotans couldn't stand them. The arrogance and the, oh, God, I couldn't stand them. And just the arrogance of that franchise forever, pretty much, even though they haven't been winning since 95, uh, thankfully. They haven't even been to the NFC title game since then, so that's good. We've been to more than, more than 
the Cowboys, that's for sure, but haven't won a single one of them. <laughs> but uh, no, the defensive backs definitely frustrating throughout the game. Mike Hughes, I mean, he didn't, Mike Hughes got beat an awful lot. He got seven tackles, but that's because the receiver caught the ball, so he had to make the tackle. Hello. Holden Hill saw basically hardly any action out there, and I think a lot of people would like to see him out there now at this point. No Trey Waynes, which maybe some people didn't care a whole lot. Ankle injury, but of course, Trey Waynes would be valuable. I'm not sure what to, I'm not sure where to go with this uh, whole situation other than the Minnesota Vikings will be more than likely taking a cornerback very high in the draft come next uh, late April, early May. I gotta think. Vikings will be taking a cornerback very, very high in the draft. Maybe their first pick for sure. For first round pick, very high chance. I mean, if it's not one hole, it's another. You know, you still need help in the offensive line, just like you're gonna need help in the offensive line pretty much until hell freezes over. You think you're set at cornerback, you think, oh God, they drafted another cornerback in Mike Hughes. Oh, but then Xavier Rhodes is, you know, Xavier Rhodes is damaged goods, whatever he is. He's not the same guy and he's mediocre as ever. Couldn't even make a tackle on one of the plays, just flat out missed the guy. Oh, it was bad. It, 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 it was bad. It was bad. I believe this was Amari Cooper. It was either Xavier Rhodes or Mike Hughes on Amari Cooper throughout the night. It was kind of one and it was kind of one or the other throughout the night, of course depending on the situation and where players were and their rotations and such. But uh, both of them got beat time and time again. Randall Cobb had some big plays. Jason Witten here and there, the ancient one. Jason Witten going back to the, at at very least, the 2009 Vikings and Cowboys playoff game, which was a nice victory for the Vikings. Very nice victory, but it again helped that the left tackle, the Cowboys, was hurt and missed the rest of the game. And uh, Tony Romo was, like, destroyed after that. So what what are you going to do? Um... But no, the Vikings need help in the secondary like they need to breathe at this point. Vikings always have have needed help in the offensive line other than in the late 90s when it was spectacular. Pretty much since the death of Corey Stringer, the Vikings have struggled at the offensive line. God, God rest his soul, Corey Stringer. That was almost 20 years ago already, if you can believe that. Um, Vikings linebackers were good. Again, you saw they were good. They weren't perfect. Again, defensive line. You didn't see a whole lot of pressure on Dak Prescott, but then again, the guy's mobile enough, what the hell are you going to do? He's similar to Russell Wilson that way, he's similar to whoever, he's similar to most of those mobile quarterbacks that are hard to bring down, and he's got that quick release, and he's got those strong hips, he's got that, <laughs> he's got those strong hips, he really works on that before every game, on his release on the ball, he uses the strength of his hips, if you can believe it, on some of his throws, pretty interesting stuff, but that's how he's so mobile and is able to complete passes on the run, and in those awkward angles, Kirk Cousins had a pretty spectacular play. Kind of a jump pass to uh, Kyle Rudolph into the end zone. couple of touchdowns to Kyle Rudolph and the two-point conversion that helped get the Vikings to a four-point lead at the end of the day, which again forced the Cowboys to have to score a touchdown rather than get a field goal to tie it. Again, uh, it was a seven-point lead at the time, but you know what I mean. You know That's why the Vikings had a four-point lead instead of a three-point lead down the stretch. That was the whole point. <laughs> again, extra points. All of the scores down the stretch to Kyle Rudolph when it came in the passing game. And, of course, Delvin Cook outstanding on those screen plays, which the Vikings took advantage of as the Cowboys constantly rushing the quarterback, which is, well, a smart plan at the end of the day. Smart plan because you want to you want to rattle a guy who struggled in primetime, struggled on the road, struggled against winning teams, struggled against good defenses, struggled, 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 right? You get the idea, but then you run past him with the guy that can, that can get the job done. He can get around them, and... The run blocking wasn't particularly spectacular, but it was okay. It was good enough. 
Uh, Alexander Madison had some big plays. Almost had in the end zone. I mean, how many times has Alexander Madison oh, been tackled like less than a yard outside of the end zone? Oh, it's heartbreaking. I mean, Alexander Madison should probably have like six touchdowns this year <laughs> that were not touchdowns. Oh, man. It was so close. They were like at the goal line. Oh, but uh, Minnesota definitely uh, contained Ezekiel Elliott, Zeke Elliott throughout the game, especially down the stretch. I mean, his long for the day was six yards. That's it. Uh, Dallas's play calling down the stretch was not wise. I don't think so. I mean, why are you constantly forcing it to Zeke Elliott when it hadn't been working the whole game? And yet Prescott, Cooper, Witten, Cobb, blah, 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 were destroying the Minnesota Vikings throughout the game. Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup, too. I mean, they got three receivers that were just torching the Vikings. Randall Bleepin Cobb. Slot receiver, 106 yards in the game. 106 yards. Every wide receiver, well, every receiver, Cobb is a slot, but you get the idea, got in the end zone. Every significant receiver for the Dallas Cowboys got in the end zone in the game. Amari Cooper again. Chris Carter this, Chris Carter that. My God. Freaking frustrating. I couldn't stop swearing. and I apologize. I had like Tourette's syndrome throughout the entire game. Oh, I think that happens to me when I watch games like this. I'm... God, they could not stop these guys throughout the game. And then the Dallas Cowboys, particularly Jason Garrett, obviously, who's got the final say, questionable play calling. And, hey, you know what? Hey, to, you know, their loss are gain, right? I mean, if you're going to make bad play calls, if you're going to make strange decisions down the stretch, well, it sucks to be you, I guess. I mean, and Jason Garrett is looks like the nicest guy ever. He He really does. So it's like you feel for him when people rip him, but at the same time, maybe that. But at the same time, if he's going to make decisions like this, I mean, why is he still the coach? You know, it's kind of been the case for a while. There, a lot of people have been questioning why is Jason Garrett still the coach of the Cowboys? I, I, I thought he was gone five years ago. He's been the coach of the Cowboys since Wade Phillips. I mean, Wade Phillips, two thousand nine Vikings Cowboys playoff game. Yeah, it was the year after Wade Phillips was let go. When the Cowboys were very disappointing in 2010, just like a certain Vikings club who also let go of our coach at the time, then Brad Childress, uh, Jason Garrett's been the coach ever since. That's just crazy. That's too long. That's too long. <laughs> That's too long. They've had some moments, and they've won, what, two playoff games with him in nine years and not gotten further beyond that? I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a. You look at this passing game. And, of course, Zeke Elliott, who looks like a dork half the time, but whatever. God bless him. He's extremely talented. Cooper, who is, my goodness. I mean, imagine him on the Vikings. Whew. Ah, gosh, Michael Gallup, Cobb. They've had good receivers over the years, but they really have good receivers right now. Uh, Cobb had been disappointing for a while, but a huge game last night against the Vikings, obviously. I don't know. I think this Cowboys team... The way they started the season, to see that they're 5-4 and four now, it's pretty ridiculous. They should be rolling in that division, considering how awful a lot of the other teams have been in the NFC East. Cowboys should be like 13-3 and three this year, and it ain't happening, boy. They'll be lucky to be 10-6. and six. They'll have to go, what, 5-2 five and five and two the rest of the way to get to 10-6. and six. I don't know, Jason. I Again, looks like one of the nicest guys ever, but... Oop. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, Dalvin Cook again on those screen plays that were just... Awesome. Unbelievable. Great, great game plan by Stefanski and Kubiak. 86 yards receiving again, 30 yards long. Caught everything coming his way. Uh, very dangerous play down the stretch when the Vikings were simply trying to burn the clock and force the Cowboys to burn their timeouts. Vikings get the ball back after a crucial stop. 
with about a minute left. And then you pitch it to Delvin Cook on first down. And I, I don't know. I mean, why are we pitching the ball from far away like that? What's the point? I know you're trying to maybe get some extra yards. Maybe you get the first down, which would pretty much wipe out the game for the Cowboys. But, I mean, that was kind of risky. And, of course, the ball bouncing off of Delvin Cook's hands, miraculously able to get control of it after it hit the ground. <sighs> the Vikings would have probably lost the game right there, very likely, the way Dallas was, well, passing the ball, if they passed the ball after that, which you'd hope they would with all those timeouts still intact, or they would probably have two of them left in that case. I mean, whew, that was one of the scariest things I've ever seen, but luckily Delvin Cook able to recover it immediately. Um, I'm not sure that was one of the scariest things I've ever seen, basically, as a Viking fan. Okay, there's, like, we've seen a million of those, but you get the idea. It was like, here we go again. Stefan Diggs made a shoestring grab, or grab, that looked like it hit the turf, and it never did. It never did. He actually caught it. It was a spectacular play. I thought it hit the turf. When I watched it live, I'm like, ah, oh, great. It's, a, it's, it's incomplete, but no, he actually caught it. So that was one of the highlights of the game, I'd have to say. Stefan Diggs did not have the hugest game ever, but again, you know, I mean, Delvin Cook was the main cog in this game, even though the Cowboys were focusing on him hardcore and focusing on attacking Kirk Cousins. I mean, that's how, pretty much how you beat the Vikings. It pretty much is. The Vikings had to get rid of the ball super quick. That's why you saw these screen plays, and that's why you didn't see a whole lot of completed passes to Stephon Diggs. Some of them were overthrown. Some of them were throwaways. Irv Smith, a lot of short plays that didn't amount to a whole lot, but, it, it, you know, it is what it is. In fact, nothing was even in double digits. They didn't amount to a whole lot, but at least they got the ball moving forward a little bit. I mean, Kyle Rudolph, a couple of touchdowns, only 14 yards on four catches, but, I mean, three of those catches were just crucial. Obviously, two touchdowns and the two-point conversion. Uh, Laquan Treadle got another 10-yard play for a first down. That was cute and everything. That was nice. But, again, the Vikings had to get rid of the ball quickly in this game. Had to be mobile, had to get rid of the ball, and... Luckily, we were able to survive a very good game plan there and able to survive the Minnesota Vikings uh, secondary just continuing to stink. Or should we just say the cornerbacks in general going against those wide receivers of the Dallas Cowboys? I still believe in uh, Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. I think they're just fine. You know, Harris is decent. Harrison Smith could be a future Hall of Famer. I don't think there's a future Hall of Famer in, uh, among the Minnesota Vikings cornerbacks. Maybe Mike Hughes someday if he blows up and is spectacular, but I don't know. He got beat significantly. Again, some of those plays, again, were like trying to stop uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar skyhook, so it's kind of like, what are you going to do? I mean, if the ball is literally thrown high out of bounds, but still caught, what the hell can you do? What the hell can you do? I mean, only the receiver is going to catch that ball. Only the receiver is going to catch that ball. Big play, without a doubt. Um, it felt like the referees were on the Cowboys side at times, particularly in that second half. It was extremely frustrating. There were some holding calls that were frustrating, but of course, Cowboys got calls against them as well. Uh, it did feel like they were slightly on the Dallas side, but what do you do? I mean, what do you do? It's We're used to it. The Cowboys have always had that forever, pretty much. Not all the time, I per, uh, per se. Maybe against Green Bay. Green Bay magically gets the calls against the Cowboys on occasion. But generally speaking, uh, in Dallas, in a game like this, it's almost always it almost always feels like the Cowboys are getting every call in the world against the, the Vikings. But luckily, it doesn't matter one way or another. Minnesota Vikings offense, good enough to get the job done. And the defense, bend but don't break, I suppose. Big, massive deflection. 
down the stretch by Hendricks. Just unbelievable. What what a play. That was huge. Again, Vikings linebackers, I thought, stood out nicely in this game. They weren't spectacular, but they were above average, and thank God for that. I mean, Kendricks, again, that deflection very late in the game was absolutely crucial, and it put the Cowboys in a position where they they had to, they had to kick the ball, and that was just absolutely huge because it looked like Dallas was going to drive and make the big play down the stretch again, but uh, thank God for Herrick Kendricks. That was one of the biggest plays in the entire game, I'd have to say. He's a hell of a linebacker. He really is. He really is. I mean, if there's a defensive player that deserves a Fran Tarkington Award in this game, it's Eric Kendricks for sure. It, it really is. I, I thought he was the best player on defense throughout the game. Uh, again, Daniel Hunter getting the pressure, but not quite getting to Mr. Uh, <clears throat> Dak Prescott in the game, who was downright spectacular. Some of those angles and those throws. <sighs> was the Dallas offense good or the Viking cornerbacks bad? I think it's a bit of both, a bit of everything. With that said, the Fran Tarkington Award for this show... It's going to go to Delvin Cook again. It's going to go to Delvin Cook. I mean, Kyle Rudolph, super-duper honorable mention because he made the plays he had to. In fact, I think he should share it in a lot of ways with Delvin Cook. But Cook, just absolutely spectacular. And again, uh, Eric Hendricks. I mean, strong mention with how well he played defensively. Not a perfect player, but then again, again, I mean, look at the run defense against one of the best running backs in football. I mean, there's no comparison between Cook and Zeke Elliott in this game because of how well the Vikings' run defense was in this game. So, you know, you want to bash the defense, but they did keep the Cowboys at 24 points. And, of course, Jason Garrett's play calling and his offensive line's play calling out there. It's part of that problem as well, with the mistakes down the stretch. But, again, that run defense was downright fantastic. And if you can't run the ball, you're not going to... You know, if you can't run the ball at all, you're not guaranteed success. You're far from guaranteed success. I mean, if if the Cowboys did run the ball well, it would have been a blowout. Dallas would have probably won the game like 45-28, something like that. Probably. I mean, that's what it would have been like with how the way uh, the passing game was working. But it didn't, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And that's all there is to say. With that said, the Christian Potter Memorial, I mean, who does it go to? Some of the defensive play calling, some of the Frickin' prevent defense, extremely frustrating. Some of the dumb penalties down the stretch as well that kind of scared us. It's kind of a combination of things. I mean, there's no single player that I'm going to really point at, point fingers at in this game. There really isn't. It's just some of the, some of the defensive play calling. It seemed like the Cowboys were just having their way. Just in general, it will say the past defense in this game. The Cowboys had their way for so long. With that said, we'll take a quick break, come back for segment two, look around the NFL. I probably try not to ramble so much in that one. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Let's round up a little bit here and then, of course, get to next week's opponent, the Denver Broncos, another nooner. So that's good. Back to the nooners. We'll see what happens with that one. Hopefully Minnesota should be able to pull off that one, I would hope. San Francisco 49ers host the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football. That's going to be a good one. 8-0 Niners, 7-2 Seahawks. Go 49ers, I suppose, but it's funny. Richard Sherman going against his old team, so... That's one thing. I'm not a big fan of that guy. Thursday night football, kind of an epic battle there. Los Angeles Chargers have been hanging on. Nice, impressive victory over the Green Bay Packers just a week ago. And now they dropped to 4-6 and six after the Oakland Raiders now with a winning record. So 
We can't say Kirk Cousins beat a winning team on that day, but they're a winning team right now, sort of. Sort of barely. Derek Carr, decent accuracy. Not a spectacular game, but got, got his completions here and there. Phillip Rivers getting the turnovers and such, so the frustration continues with him. Josh Jacobs got in the end zone. Keenan Allen. Uh, just not a bad game at all. Nice to see the Oakland Raiders get the win. Kind of a classic matchup. Thursday night football improving a little bit. This was actually a pretty fun game to watch. Pretty fun game to enjoy off and on throughout the night for those of us that love our NFL football. Again, Melvin Gordon got into the century mark throughout the game. Very uh, all-purpose guy out there for the Los Angeles Chargers, but unable to get the victory. Oakland Raiders just, uh, you know, they're looking better and better as they head into Las Vegas. We'll just kind of leave that alone. Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating the Arizona Cardinals. Of course, again, Bruce Arians going against his former club. Tampa Bay is now 3-6-0. and Arizona 3-6-1 and with that stupid tie with Detroit at the beginning of the season. This wasn't the best game you'd ever see, I'm sure. Jameis Winston getting the yardage, but again, the turnovers, again, is long, uh, down the stretch. 358 yards. He attempts 100 million passes, but it's definitely not one of his good games. Kyler Murray, clearly the better quarterback of these two, is his first overall pick versus first overall pick. Jameis Winston a few years back already now. Kyler Murray just recent. And Murray clearly is the real deal. I think he has the ed factor, and good for him. Jameis Winston is not a long-term solution for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's fine. I've never really liked the Bucks. I like Arizona more, I guess, and I think most of us do. I'd have to say Christian Kirk, spectacular. Going to be a nice combination with uh, Kyler Murray if he wants it. Yeah, what a great game this was for him. If somebody was lucky enough to have him on the fantasy team, three touchdowns receiving in the game, 138 yards. Big, big game for him. Max Williams, the former gopher, and congratulations to them. He had a 15-yard reception in the game. So that's where he's hanging on now. Max Williams, former Golden Gopher tight end. Not too long ago, congratulations to the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Brent Jake especially loves the Gophers. He's loved them for years. Row the boats, Skyumago Gophers. P.J. Fleck uh, got that seven-year extension and followed up with the biggest win in Gopher history for the last 50-plus years. In fact, we'll go as far as the 1962 Minnesota Gophers football, of course, now ranked 7th in the country. Spectacular. What a nice win over Penn State. Kind of similar to Minnesota in terms of the offensive game plan was good enough. Put the Vikings ahead enough <clears throat> that the Minnesota was able to get the victory. Maybe not ahead enough, but got enough points on the board that were able to get the victory down the stretch despite some scary <laughs> situations for Minnesota and despite some scary situations for the Minnesota Gophers as well. Down the stretch of Penn State. Gophers able to get the interception and again, two of them also by uh, former Vikings uh, star super cornerback Antoine Winfield. You got Antoine Winfield Jr. with multiple interceptions in that game early on, which helped put the Gophers ahead against the uh, Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, literally, like right around the 20 year anniversary when the Gophers went on the road and beat Penn State, when Penn State was the number two team in the nation years and years ago, back in 99. I remember listening to that on the radio doing doing what? Lawn cleanups. Imagine that, me doing lawn cleanups. Yep, 20 years ago I was doing lawn cleanups just like I do them now. Can you believe that? Yeah, listening to that one on the radio and uh, man alive. Gophers ranked 7th in the nation for the first time since 1962 and it feels really good. We can actually literally talk about the Rose Bowl without joking, with, without just making fun of uh, Tim Brewster or something. Oh, we're going to take the Gopher Nation to Pasadena. Well, we might actually take the Gopher Nation to Pasadena. It would, but not with that guy. <laughs> P.J. Fleck and 
what an amazing story it truly is. So I have to, I have to mention that on this show. I have to, and of course, I even posted it on the Purple Mafia page. The Gophers are ranked seventh in the country. Awesome. But uh, nice to see Kyler Murray playing as well as he is. The Wiley veteran Larry Fitzgerald also brought in 71 yards. Andy is the Bella young rising player as well. 30, uh, 78 yards on three catches. Caught everything coming his way, including a 55-yarder. Gotta love Kyler Murray. And I'm going to be a fan of this team in the coming years for the Arizona Cardinals. Good good luck to them. It's too bad they lost the game. They were they would have been 4-6. and six. Not bad. Uh, they're, they're coming, though. They're coming. Maybe add another piece, offensive line, whatever the heck it is. They got that day. They got their David Johnson. They got this guy. They got that guy. So the future's bright for Arizona, and good luck to them. No doubt to boot it. Uh, the New York Bull, the New, New the New York, New Jersey, whatever the heck bull you want to call it. Yuck. After the New Jersey Nets, no, the New Jersey Jets, the New York Jets, I'm just curing around. <sighs> Both play in the same stadium. They just maybe go in different locker rooms. Home, it's got to be really confusing, actually. But it's New York. They probably have a million locker rooms in that place because just the way it's, yeah, it's New York. I mean, they can afford it more than anybody else in the United States. Well, the Jets got beat by the Miami Dolphins last week, and now they beat the New York Giants. So who's the worst team in football? It's the Washington Redskins. They only have one. No, actually, it's Cincinnati. It's Cincinnati. It's Cincinnati's even worse, and we'll get back to them. It's Cincinnati. Yeah, right after they fire Marv Lewis, they're even worse. They're probably going to look for another coach. Oh, poor Cincinnati. That, oh, man. <laughs> Marvin Lewis was so below average, and then they fire him, and now they might go 0-16 the way things are going, or 1-15. They're basically kind of like what Cleveland was for a while there. Way too long. Uh, young up-and-coming quarterbacks. <clears throat> Jones versus Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Oh, man. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones had a great game, and yet the Gi- the Giants end up losing the game because they just couldn't get the job done. I, I don't know. I mean, it's poor game. Uh, just just poor execution down the stretch by the Giants, I'd have to say. Fumble by Daniel Jones as well. Didn't help, but four touchdown passes. Amazing game. No interceptions, but again, the fumble loss did not help. That was bad. He was also sacked take six times, unfortunately. <clears throat> Jets just kind of getting the job done down the stretch, and I guess... I don't know. I mean, there's so many junk teams in the NFL, and they, these are both of them. Too bad for Pat Shermer. A lot of people think he's going to be let go after the season, and gosh, he just got started there. So that's a crying shame if that ends up being the case. Uh, we'll we'll take him back here, though, if, if need be. Uh, and then again, I mean, Stefanski and Kubiak are doing a hell of a job, so we can't really complain too much about them. It's the defense that's scaring us around here. Don't want to spend too much time on Jets and Giants. Yuck. Great game by Daniel Jones, though. Oh, and I clicked the wrong thing. New York Jets basically last place in every category when you think when you look at them. They're pretty disgusting at the end of the day. Atlanta versus New Orleans. What's going on, Drew Brees? He kind of got smushed up by the Atlanta defense. Atlanta defense actually did something right. And again, talk about too little too late. My God. I mean, Atlanta finally doing something. 26-9 in the Superdome. Who saw this? Nobody. Other than just the fact that these are division rivals and division rivals do funny things. Funny things happen when division rivals play. Like, awful Dolphins team beat the Patriots. You know, Buffalo Bills teams that were, that were like 5-11 and 11 beat the Patriots sometimes, once in a while. That's what happens. That's just how it goes. Even when the Packers were awful, it was always like a 500 record between Minnesota and Green Bay. Always. That's just welcome to the NFL, right? Brian Hill, but this was a home game for the Saints, which makes it even weirder. Brian Hill, 61 yards on the ground. Happy for Brian Hill out of Wyoming. The Wyoming Cowboys. Brian Hill, the lead running back for the Atlanta Falcons in a game that they beat the Saints. Pretty cool. I couldn't be happier for him, actually. 
Alvin Kamara comes back and, well, couldn't do a whole lot. The Saints were down the whole game. Again, uh, Drew Brees sacked six times, and again, it's about time Dan Quinn's defense finally did something. Maybe they feared that their coach is going to be fired, and let's stand up for him a little bit, and they did. So, go uh, go Falcons. Go Falcons. Nothing spectacular offensively, necessarily, for the Falcons. They just smushed up the... Uh, they just absolutely smushed up the New Orleans Saints in the game, and Teddy never got to see the light of day, unfortunately. Gotta love Teddy Bridgewater. Gotta love him. Uh, Tennessee defeats last week's opponent, the Kansas City Chiefs in Tennessee. Kansas City Chiefs' chances of losing their division are improving because the Raiders are actually one game behind them, which is the weirdest thing you ever saw. Patrick Mahomes returns, throws for 446 yards, and they still lose. Okay. It, it was in Tennessee, Nissan Stadium and everything, but what the hell? 446 yards, three touchdowns. He was only sacked twice, and they still lose the game to Tennessee. Okay. Ryan Tannehill, extremely efficient, only attempting 19 passes. Damian Williams led Kansas City in rushing, but he didn't have a 91-yard run in this game, and he did fumble. That certainly didn't help. Derrick Henry was just freaking unstoppable for the Tennessee Titans, and that's why they won the game. Just freaking unstoppable. I mean, what are you going to do? Kansas City didn't have the ball when they needed it when that happened. Uh, of course, Tyreek Hill, another spectacular game. Another guy that tore the Vikings up, just like Amari Cooper last night. Tyreek Hill just shredded us last week. It was so frustrating. Mm. Derrick Henry, though, my God, he just did what he wanted throughout the game. 188 yards, 8.2 a carry. Got on the end zone twice. Even Ryan Tannehill rushed for 37 yards in some of those crucial first downs. Wow. Wow. Kansas City, they are... Boy, well... They'll be on the road when they make the playoffs, if and when they make the playoffs, the way that's going, but they'll probably make it. Buffalo Bills, oh, what, what the hell? <laughs> congratulations to the Browns in Browns Stadium. Yeah, congratulations to the Browns pulling off a win over the Buffalo Bills. This is a huge win for them. 19-16, 6-3 now, Buffalo. Oh, as good as the Bills are, man, it's surprising to see them. Only uh, They're down to 6-3, and, and then they lose to the Cleveland Cavalier Browns. I don't know. Baker Mayfield... Decent game. Josh Allen, not so much. Just a decent game for Baker Mayfield. Nick Chubb controlling the clock, getting those first downs, about six yards a carry. I mean, what, what the hell can you do? Kind of a classic black and blue type of game. And Jarvis Landry getting loose a couple times. Ultimately, just under 100 yards and got in the end zone, so good for them, I guess. Wow. Wow, that's really something. Baltimore, Cincinnati. Whew. Baltimore, Cincinnati. As, does it get any worse than this? No, not too much. Doesn't get a whole lot worse than this, does it, for Baltimore and Cincinnati. Oh, Baltimore, spectacular. Lamar Jackson, four total touchdowns in the game. Threw for three, ran in one, ran for 65 yards. He's a spectacular athlete, and wow. Obviously a completely different player than Teddy Bridgewater, again, because they both came from Louisville and all that. Just kind of, I, I tend to compare both of them. They both came from Louisville. They were both traded up for for the last pick in the first round. and It's kind of funny. But again, totally different players. Joe Mixon finally got over the century mark, but he had to run the ball 30 freaking times to get there. Kind of like, uh, gosh, kind of like Ricky Williams, basically, style there. But just Baltimore, just taking it to an awful Cincinnati team and whatever. You know, I mean, a perfect quarterback rating for Lamar Jackson. Perfect quarterback rating for Lamar Jackson. Robert Giffen getting some action because why keep playing Lamar Jackson and have something stupid happen? That type of thing fun game for Lamar. Only attempted 17 passes, yet completed everything basically. And again, ran all over Cincinnati as well. The Bengals 0-9 and, and not doing fine at all. Uh, they are just uh, they're toast. 
Cincinnati's toast, and well, good luck, I guess, going into <laughs> going into the off season, I suppose. Uh, Detroit, Chicago, we'll come back to that. Miami got their second straight win. How about that? Isn't that cool? Miami got their second straight win. Indianapolis Colts, a team that looks so good, just a few weeks ago, and now Kirk, <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick, here we go, Ryan, I wanted to call him Kirk for some reason. Now the Dolphins are two and seven. That's funny. Two wins in a row, and you're two and seven. <laughs> but uh, well. Unfortunately for Indianapolis, Brian Hoyer's the quarterback now, uh, for now, because of the injuries to Brissett. What are you going to do? He still threw for three, uh, well, nope, he struggled throughout the game, couldn't complete passes, threw for three interceptions, just an awful overall game for Brian Hoyer, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, barely better, not a whole lot, still threw for one touchdown, is what I was trying to say, and, um, Yuck. Just a, this is a lousy football game, and Indianapolis not even close to the same team right now. This is what you thought the Colts might be when Andrew Luck got hurt, but I mean, but Brissett's so good. Jacoby Brissett's so good, and definitely a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL, and happy that he got that extension. Crying shame, though, seeing this team just uh, starting to fall apart now. They might end up missing the playoffs. We'll see after what a nice story it truly was. When Andrew Luck retired, surprisingly early, right before the season, Brissett looking like he might lead his team to a division title. Now I don't know. You lose at home to the uh, Miami Dolphins. Oof! The last non-divisional game, the LA Rams versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers kind of looked like and like legitimately a good defense again after they'd struggled the past few years. The defense giving up yards, giving up points. Tipping passes away from Jared Goff, forcing interceptions, frustrating him throughout the game, strip-sacking him really late, which ended up kind of wrapping things up. Mason Rudolph, just okay, just good enough. Todd Gurley, healthy enough to run for six yards a carry, but unfortunately only 12 rushes in the game. They probably should have kept that going because passing game just wasn't working at all. Uh, Pittsburgh's looking like a totally different team all of a sudden. I mean, that was some aggressive stuff down the stretch. Again, those tip passes, they look like the chippy Steelers like they were years ago. Blake Bortles is on the Rams, isn't he? That's funny. <laughs> Blake Bortles is on the Rams. Yuck. Yuck. That's uh, all i got to say about that. Oh, man, that's funny. But, um, I don't know, definitely a frustrating, lousy game for the Rams. They're now 5-4, and four, and they might miss the playoffs as well. Pittsburgh Steelers are actually knocking on the door of the playoffs. I believe they would have the wild card of the season ended today. Pretty wild. Yeah, that was kind of dumb how I said that, just accidentally. But, uh, Nope, they look like that chippy Pittsburgh defense that gets those tip passes, those interceptions, and makes those big plays. That's driven us nuts forever. Yeah, good for them. They're back in the mix, I guess. With more than likely their quarterback of the future, Mason Rudolph. So Detroit, Chicago. Detroit kind of kept in check for a while there. They they had the early lead, but then Chicago finally got something going. And Mitchell Trubisky somehow threw for three touchdown passes in this game. Uh, he was efficient. He was solid. He got the job done against a broken Detroit defense. And, well, when there's no Matthew Stafford, it kind of is what it is. I mean, the Detroit Lions without Matthew Stafford are like, you know, like a fish out of water. And that's basically what happened. And it was in Soldier Field. The Bears kind of semi-staying alive. And Mr. Dabrisky had probably his best game of the season, I'd have to say. Chicago Bears 20-13 to over at Detroit and Kind of, sort of, knocking on the door in Detroit, right back in their usual place, which is last, fourth place in the NFC North. And I'm not trying to be a jerk and make fun of them. It's just, unfortunately, that's how it is for them. And I, I don't know. Sometimes I'm okay with the Lions. Just when we play them, I go crazy. I can't stand them. But uh, their offense, when uh, Matthew Stafford is out there and guys are healthy, is, is, is a sight to see. 
Their defense mediocre at best, and it was beaten pretty nicely by Mitchell Trubisky. Again, best game in a long time for him. A lot of people looking at him as yet another huge disappointment for the Chicago Bears, be it Rex Grossman, be it Jay Cutler, or just Mitchell Trubisky in general. Disappointing, but certainly not in today's game, or yesterday's game. I should say, at the end of the day, uh, Carolina, Green Bay, the whole damn game, you just knew the freaking Packers were going to win, the whole game. It seemed like Carolina was just, you know, Carolina was just playing uphill the whole game. They're just trying to go uphill the whole game. Yes, Carolina had the lead very early, then they were ahead again for a little while in the second quarter, but the whole game, you could just kind of feel Green Bay was going to take over, and once they had got up to 21-10, to 10, I mean... It was just, uh, again, it was just an uphill climb for Carolina the entire game. <clears throat> and the conditions, not good for a quarterback trying to lead his team. I mean, it was snowing like crazy there in Green Bay. Not good conditions for a good, solid passing game. You're hoping for a good running game without fumbling the ball, without the ball slipping away. Kyle Allen somehow threw for 307 yards and did help get his team back in the mix in the game. But it just wasn't enough down the stretch, and the frustration was, was there interception late ended up being the uh, the dagger for the Carolina Panthers that was disappointing uh, Christian McCaffrey had some big moments but he was stopped at the goal line as well and stopped short on a fourth down play that was disappointing oh we were hoping for that but it just did not work out as good as he is nobody's perfect obviously that Green Bay defense is very 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 solid uh, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones got the job done in a huge way Green Bay Packers again forced to run the ball quite a bit. Aaron Jones did get into the end zone three times in the game, and he averaged almost he averaged over seven yards a carry. So Green Bay definitely going with that black and blue style rather than risking uh, turnovers and such. Despite the fact they have the best quarterback, you know, uh, pretty much the best quarterback in football. Other than you know, obviously there's the usual guys Brady, Breeze, blah blah blah, but. Um, well, the game plan by uh, Green Bay was, again, run the ball, run through these guys, and they did. And the Packers won, and they're 8-2, and two, and Vikings are second place with a strong 7-3 and three record, but crying shame. This one more win somewhere along the way. Vikings could be tied with Green Bay right now. And if only, and if only just only, somehow Carolina pulled off a spectacular, surprising victory. That'd be cool, but it just wasn't meant to be. Minnesota second place, Green Bay in foist in the NFC North. How about the Broncos? Well, they had their uh, they had their bye week. We're happy for them, I suppose. Definitely one of the stingiest defenses in the NFL. They have been a big uh, they they've, they've been a bit of a problem for certain teams during the course of the season. Three and six record. They're not good. Obviously, their offense is not good at all. Not like the old days, or really a whole lot of days recently. It's been a struggle. Their defense helped them win the Super Bowl, of course, in 2015. A lot of those players are still hanging around. Joel Flacco is a mediocre guy. He won the Super Bowl with Baltimore, as a lot of us remember. Philip Lindsay's their leading rusher. Royce Freeman, number two in that category. Again, Joe Flacco, I mean, he's just a mediocre guy at this point. Quarterback rating 85.1. He's lost the ball three times. He's fumbled eight times in eight games. So literally a fumble a game, but only lost three of them. Five interceptions. They've ever beatable veteran quarterback who hasn't been good for forever. Uh, Corlin Sutton has been a good receiver for Denver, a mediocre offense, but uh, you know, with four touchdowns, almost 700 yards, so he's one of the positives. And of course, rookie tight end Noah Fant with 300 yards and two touchdowns in the game uh, in the season, pardon me. He's been, a, he's been a solid rookie tight end for the Denver Broncos, but they need a hell of a lot more than that. 
Again, their defense has been their strong point. It's been the reason why they've won games. They, they were so stingy. They hardly ever score, but they hardly ever give up points as well. They're actually only a minus 17 despite being 3-6 and six because their defense is just that good. History between Minnesota and Denver is only 7-7 seven and seven in all time. The two clubs first played their first started their series, pardon me, with the Vikings victory back in 1972 when the Vikings were obviously a one of the bigger threats in the NFL, but this was not the uh, the Vikings season to get to the Super Bowl. Dolphins actually had their perfect record that year. 72 Minnesota Vikings win 23-20 to in Denver. So nice, starting things on the road and getting the job done. The teams didn't play for six whole years, and the Vikings win in OT 12-9 in 78, Targington's final season. Three years later, Denver beat the Vikings in, well, in Denver, 17-19. Broncos crushed the Vikings for three years later. Again, this is when L.A. was just getting started in his career, 42-21, to just utter destruction. A game that we would have hoped was a preview of the Super Bowl. The Vikings beat the Denver Broncos in October, on October 26th, pardon me, 34-27. We hoped that was the preview to the Super Bowl, but of course that wasn't meant to be. Vikings and Broncos again, 500 couple of wins in a row. They beat the Broncos in a yucky 1990 season when that, a lot of those good players were getting a little older. Broncos beat the Vikings in a really boring 91 season. 93 Vikings get past a halfway decent Bronco team, 26-23. And then there was the utter frustration. The 1996 Denver Broncos, a beautiful team. I mean, how do you not like that team uh, if, if you're a football fan? They were finally doing so well, and they had a rookie, well, second-year running back who was absolutely spectacular, named Terrell Davis. And the Vikings just hung in there the whole game. And I remember this game so well. Vikings hung in there the whole game, the whole game. Vikings were actually going to win the game. And the ball's thrown, you know, they're in the red zone. John Elway throws the ball in the air. It's tipped around, tipped around, and frickin' Ed McCaffrey, again, father of Christian McCaffrey, of course, frickin' Ed McCaffrey with his long, bleeping arms, grabs the ball out of midair and falls to the ground in the end zone. Ugh, and the Broncos pull it off. John Elway, no celebration of any kind, just kind of like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, he 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 caught it, you know, because he knew it was luck. <laughs> but it's like, okay, it is what it is. Ed McCaffrey pulled it in, and the Broncos end up beating the Vikings with, ugh, with like 20 seconds left, 21-17. That was an extremely frustrating loss, but uh, Vikings dropped to 6-6, six and six, still end up making the playoffs that year. As Minnesota went on a little run there, ended up finishing out the season four and one to finish ten and six, if I remember correctly, or was it nine and seven? And uh, ended up getting crushed by the Dallas Cowboys not long after that. Broncos were eleven and one at the time. They were a great, 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 great team. Great team. Congratulations to the Broncos on that one. And since then, the Vikings and Broncos have only played five times. Vikings beat the Broncos a couple of times during their mediocre, yucky seasons. Uh, no more Terrell Davis, really. In 99, obviously, had the injury. Vikings get past that mediocre team. And then in 2003, Vikings beat the Broncos again in Minnesota, 28-20. to Most recently, it's been that long already. Well, four years when uh, the soon-to-be Super Bowl champion, little did we know, Denver Broncos, just barely with that solid, solid defense. Vikings played a hell of a game, but... Oh, Peyton Manning was still decent at this stage. He didn't really start to drop off until the end of the year, basically. He had one of his better games, and you heard that blasted Omaha, Omaha time and time again. But the Denver Broncos ended up beating the Vikings by three points in a very close back-and-forth battle between two great defenses. And Teddy Bridgewater had a solid game, but unfortunately, 
It just wasn't meant to be. Both teams wound up winning their divisions. Broncos somehow miraculously, with Gary Kubiak as head coach, Gary Kubiak, yes, end up getting the top seed in the AFC, which shocked us all. It was at the last second. They were like number three. They were going to be the wild card team. They end up getting the number one seed at the last second and ended up proving extremely valuable as, uh, again, that strong defense was able to frustrate Tom Brady and keep the Patriots out of the Super Bowl. And that's the last time the Patriots didn't make it to the Super Bowl. Of course, remember, the Patriots beat the Falcons the next year in the Super Bowl, lost to the Eagles the next year, and defeated the Rams in a very low-scoring game, but very clutch drive down the stretch. The Patriots have won two out of the last three Super Bowls and been to all of them pretty wild and insane. Interesting, interesting uh, back and forth between these two teams, but this is not an exciting team to play. This is definitely not a team on their way to the Super Bowl like they were that year. In 96, you knew that team was either going to make it to the Super Bowl or come damn close. Remember, they were heartbroken by the Jaguars in uh, the divisional playoff game that year, but then went on and defeated the Green Bay Packers and then all the Atlanta, the hated, bleeping Atlanta Falcons in 98 the next year. Denver going back-to-back and haven't won a... Well, yeah, they did win a Super Bowl in 2015. Look at me talking stupid there. But a very mediocre team started off the season horribly, and then their defense just kept getting stronger and stronger. I mean, wow, boy, very stingy. Giving up 19 points a, uh, a week ago on November the 3rd. That was the highest point total they've given up since uh, late September against Jacksonville when they lost that game, 26-24. Really stifling defense, uh, keeping the Chargers to 13. The Tennessee Titans shut out completely. Uh, nope, no, they did give up 30 points to the Kansas City Chiefs, pardon me. That was their last really lousy game. But since then, they've been tight, generally speaking, keeping teams very low scoring. And, of course, everybody gives up points to the Kansas City Chiefs, including a certain purple team. To me, there's no excuse. Vikings need to win this game, even though Denver's defense is extremely stingy. They are fourth in the league in yards given up, only 309 total. Spectacular there. Uh, rush yards. Well, good news for Minnesota. They give up 107, so they're in the lower half, we'll say. They're not too far down, 107.6, so that's good news for us Delvin Cook fans. Pass defense is fourth overall, only 202 yards, so can you kind of guess where the game plan's going? Can you kind of guess who's going to be getting most of the action, be it screen passes, this and that, and, of course, running plays? It's going to be Delvin Cook again. I mean, it's going to be... Gary Kubiak-style offense. Gary Kubiak and uh, Stefanski. And again, you're going to look for those rollouts, those bootlegs and such. Some more to keep uh, Mr. Kirk Cousins from getting sacked and strip-sacked and thrown into, uh, goaded into stupid plays, stupid mistakes, this and that. Denver Broncos, a conservative defense. I mean, they've given up, or they've gotten 19 sacks on the season, which is down in the lower quarter of the uh, the NFL there. So there's that. They don't get a ton of sacks. They don't get a ton of interceptions. In fact, they really don't. Uh, they've had only five interceptions on the season. Wow, that's nothing. So hopefully Kirk Cousins can keep uh, that from happening. Unless it's some stupid tip pass type of situation. But uh, you hope that continues to be no type of a, uh, <laughs> a problem down the stretch. Denver, again, just kind of a stay-at-home defense. They're middle of the league in pass deflections. Again, a lower third Actually, lower quarter in sacks. Hardly get any interceptions, this and that. They just, yeah, they just play conservative. They don't force a ton of turnovers, any of that. Force fumbles, they're way at the bottom. Only five there as well. Way, way at the bottom. And again, they've only played nine games, but several teams have only played nine games after this. So it just kind of is what it is. 
Cincinnati Chargers and Miami are the only teams below them in the forced fumbles and such. So it, it just kind of is what it is. They're a conservative defense that don't allow a whole lot of yards, basically. I got to think again, it's going to be a Delvin Cook type of situation. You'll see some passing game. And of course, you saw some good numbers by Kansas City a few weeks ago. I'm not expecting any type of 450-yard game from Kirk Cousins, you know, like Pat- Patrick Mahomes type of style. I'm not expecting any Patrick Mahomes show coming off for Kirk Cousins. But I do expect a solid victory for Minnesota. And put it this way, if this is one of those trap games where the Vikings end up blowing, it would be disgusting and stupid. But, I mean, and, and uh, Denver is ever capable of doing something like that with this solid, solid defense. But if the Vikings don't turn the ball over, it should be fine. And again, Denver does not force a lot of turnovers. So that's a good thing. I expect Delvin Cook to be to have a similar kind of game because obviously Dallas's defense is pretty stingy as well. He didn't get to the century mark in either category, but he got close. He got 97 yards and he got 83 yards receiving. I expect something similar, a very similar game plan. Um, obviously not exactly the same because you can't do that. NFL coaches and scouts are too smart for that kind of crap. If you do the exact same thing over and over and over again, they're going to catch on and they're going to make you look stupid. So <clears throat> it is what it is. Some little wrinkles thrown in, but don't change it too much. If you come out too conservative, if you come out weird like you did against Kansas City, Vikings could lose this game that way. And I think that's the best way the Vikings lose the game is doing something weird like that, like changing everything completely. Stick to a similar game plan with some different wrinkles in it, and the Minnesota Vikings should win the game with a kind of a quiet, quiet Sunday afternoon type of situation. Something along the likes of 21, 24 points for Minnesota and Denver's down to like 16, 14 to 16. I, I, I see 16 for Denver, 21 or 24 for Minnesota. The Vikings offense is awesome. I mean, is, is it okay to say the Minnesota Vikings offense is awesome? It's one of the best in football. So I do think the Vikings offense gets to 24. I think we keep the Broncos to 16, maybe even less. I mean, their offense is not that impressive. You know, I mean, okay, they're going to get 16 because obviously the Vikings defense has not been as good, but they won't get to 20 points. And if the Broncos do get to 20 points, I think the Vikings could be in trouble. So let's not screw around. Uh, if you can keep Dallas's offense to 24 in their house, that's not bad, actually, considering that very solid run defense. <clears throat> Denver's passing game is not good, and they do turn the ball over. Fumbles and all that. Get Joe Flacco to fumble would be huge. He's Again, he's fumbled the ball once a game, but he's uh, only lost at three. If you can get a forced fumble, uh, fumble recovery against the Denver Broncos, then the game is completely, you know, in it. Uh, then the then the Denver Broncos could get blown out possibly. They have a good solid running game that isn't blowing anyone's socks off. Cortland Sutton is a good solid player, and Noah Fant again one of those tight end players that's obviously been a problem for the Vikings over the years. Vikings have struggled against tight ends forever, <laughs> for quite a while anyway. But I don't fear a whole lot against Joe Flacco and all these guys. Their defense again. It's a good defense, but they don't force turnovers, which is good. And you hope to God that the Minnesota Vikings do not get goaded into any stupid type of plays. Luckily, we've been pretty good about that the last several weeks. We've been pretty good in that category for quite a while, honestly. It's the Green Bay game when we really, Green Bay and Chicago games when we really, really uh, were reckless and stupid and just dumbass plays. But really since then, it's been a very solid, smarter but not harder type of offense, that type of thing. So I expect uh, a similar game plan against Denver at the end of the day. Minnesota wins 24-16 to over the not-so-good Denver Broncos. With that said, we'll take a quick break and come back for some fan interaction and wrap this up.
And we are back here on Purple Mafia Fan Interaction Segment. Unfortunately, Brent Jacobson, he, he tried to call in last week and nothing happened. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, I'm going to make a recommendation from here on. We are going to say the phone lines are kaput because I'm not sure what's going on with that. No more phone lines. We're, I'm not going to give that out anymore. Uh, and I'm not saying don't call in. I'm saying we're going to go to the audio submission route from now on. So, And I'll talk about how to get that later at the end of the show. And at the same time, yeah, it's just simply using your voice recorder on your phone, saving it and and emailing it to me. And we'll get to that as we wrap things up. But uh, so, Brent, if you can, go with that route from now on if you can. Just to use your voice recorder on your smart device. It's basically almost easier than doing the call in anyway, I suppose. And it's, well, you, you, you won't get cut off after three minutes. So, audio submission route, permanent way to get on this show from now on. The phone lines are kaput, from what I can tell. It just is what it is, right? <laughs> so, Twitter, at, at uh, Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. want to thank Vinrock, Vince Germano, and Tanae Brown for retweeting the most recent episode. Can't thank you enough for doing that. Always, always, always. I must, ah, that's really strange. Hmm. But it is what it is. Mad Martin says, so we lose to a backup quarterback. Poor on both sides of the ball. Had a real battle to stream the game. D was big. Was a big letdown today from what was able to watch. This was the previous week. Okay, so I think I already read those on the last show. Okay, yep, today, yep, there we go. Little big things was the last one. So that was on the previous week. He was talking about how, yeah, the defenders, it was a big letdown versus Kansas City. Did uh, Mad Martin. Here we go. Okay, Mad Martin was saying, getting the food in for this must-win primetime game. Nice to watch it at a reasonable time. And yeah, I, I bet you are glad for that one. <laughs> He's saying solid start on both sides of the ball. Another score here would be very useful. And the Vikings did that. 14 to nothing. We did a great job. And he was saying how we play better when we're underdogs. And that's been the way, definitely. Another, yeah, another bad punt as the Cowboys got the ball at the midfield. He's saying crappy punch. We paid for it. Poor defensive series there. Dreaded momentum shift. And boy, was that star sure. We wanted the touchdown to start the second half. The secondary is awful. The secondary is toast. And they absolutely are. They absolutely are, Mad Martin. The secondary has struggled in a huge way. He says, Vikings are built around their defense with a defensive head coach. They've gotten enough from the offense tonight. It's time for the defense to make a stand when they need it. Scary as hell all the way until the end, but it's a win. And that is for damn sure. Wrapping things up here, he says, One last coffee, three flights, and 18 hours to go. Nice, beautiful scene there. As always, America was a blast, and we got a win in prime time. I'm still not convinced this team can go deep in the playoffs, sadly. Me neither. Me neither, but it's nice to see we actually got a win in prime time and all that. We're overcoming that a little bit, but yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced they can make a deep playoff run either. Let's just, uh, I guess if it happens, it happens. It's one of those kind of things where, I, I, you know, I bet a lot of people weren't too excited about the 87 Vikings and they got to the NFC title game and almost won. But at the end of the day, they didn't uh, get the ultimate goal, which is sucky. Seems like it never happens, does it? <laughs> and, of course, the 87 Twins and not a lot of people had a whole lot of hope about them either. And they wound up winning it all. Pretty damn cool. So let's get to the Facebook page. MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven. Giving a shout out to them as they're kind enough to allow me to post links to Purple Mafia show on that Facebook page. Similar type of page where it's in-game threads and such. So definitely join that if you can. But uh, keep your comments on this page as well. Don't forget to comment on this one. And those of you that have, I appreciate it. Major shout-out to Tony Coleman of South Dakota. Where has Tony Coleman been? Have you been busy? Did I... 
pissed you off somehow. I miss you, man. I haven't seen Tony Coleman in forever. He's one of the all-timers. And he's, he's kind of gone and come back a couple times, not because he was mad at me. I don't think he was. Just got busy with whatever reason. Maybe schedule change or who knows. Things, life happens, this happens. Maybe your work schedule changes or whatever. Different job, blah, blah, blah. So God bless Tony Coleman out there, South Dakota. Purple Mafia Hall of Famer, first ballot. And uh, boy, again, hope everything's okay. Hope to hear from him soon. And man, I miss hearing from him. I really do. These have definitely been a regular for so, so long. Now we try to scroll down. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. The most recent post, little big things, I called it last week. There were no comments, which is fine. We'll move on from that, I suppose. The Vikings claimed Anderson Dejo off waivers and ended up cutting Marcus Epps from Wyoming, which kind of bugs me. Like, Anderson Dejo is just an average guy, average Joe, basically. He had some big plays here and there. He was underappreciated, and then he just kind of started to stink last season, so I wasn't too disappointed in seeing him go. He ended up cutting Marcus Epps for him, and... I liked Marcus Epps, how he played in Wyoming. I thought he did a really good job, and he almost looked like Harrison Smith for the Wyoming Cowboys, and you end up giving up on him, letting him go, and then he gets claimed by the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, maybe you're hoping you can get him to the practice squad or something, and Marcus Epps now goes to the Eagles. So you're basically traded Sandejo for Marcus Epps. I don't think that's a good move. Um, God bless Sandejo. I know he's a popular guy for some of you out there. But, I don't know, a lot of people thought this might have had to do with uh, Javon Kurz getting suspended, but he ended up bringing in the interception on that play. So, uh, on, on the final Hail Mary play from uh, uh, Dak Prescott, the aforementioned Dak Prescott. Brett McCarthy, South Dakota, says could see this coming. He thought that curse was going to be suspended, and apparently it didn't happen. Leland Albertson out of Iowa says, well, he knows the gig. Makes a lot of mistakes at times, but solid performer. Yep, so at least there's that. You know, he knows the gig and everything. He, he's He's been here, and he knows the defensive... Uh, he knows the defensive schemes and such. Mark Carlson says he could have been the difference in the last game. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. But, I mean, I'm sad about Marcus Epps. I think we screwed up there. I really do. I posted about the seventh-ranked Gophers. I don't think there are any comments, just likes and shares, which is totally fine. Reached a lot of people, but uh, no comments, no actual interaction. Uh, I was saying happy Veterans Day, and today actually is Veterans Day, so it's perfect. It was like kind of a pre-Veterans Day thing. Happy Veterans Day to the many veterans that have represented this country for so long, and I'm adding this right now, going all the way back to George Washington, up to the, uh, you know, and Revolutionary War, the, uh, <laughs> the Del crossing the Delaware River on Christmas Day that ended up really changing things. I mean, Veterans Day represents all of that. It changed everything for the United States, or what would become the United States, versus England in the uh, Revolutionary War. That changed everything. Risking their lives and freezing cold on Christmas Day, of all things, to try to change the momentum of that war. And it did. It truly did. Britain was winning. Britain was winning, and they were going to win the way things were going, and things changed dramatically after that. Slowly but surely, of course. Not right away. Nothing happens quickly. <laughs> not in that type of situation. Holy cow. The U.S. was so underbanned and underfunded and all that crap, and we've been in debt basically ever since, to be quite honest. <laughs> Welcome to the United States of America. We've been in debt ever since. But at the end of the day, these men gave everything. They risked everything. And all the way up to today, Revolutionary War, all the way up to today, Civil War, World War One, World War Two, Korean War, Vietnam War. And just protecting the country in general in, in other operations that weren't wars, they're operations and such. You know, taking out this guy, taking out that guy if need be. 
you know, in dangerous situations, these, these are the terrorists and such. Uh, I want to thank all of you very much, those of you that are that have served in wars and served in operations and such. Mark Carlson is one for sure that has been a veteran in Iraq back in nine, back in the ninety one uh, Iraq one. There, appreciate him very much, and uh, he he comments on here. I was saying, yep, God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Uh, Mark Carlson, I believe he's in there. Yeah, he is. Not popping up. Dave Hickey out of Iowa says, Amen. Thanks to all the men and women serving our country. God bless and take care of our service member, of our service members and their families. Yep, yep. God bless. Mark Carlson, Iowa, and veteran says, God bless you, Paladino Joey. Salute. Red, white, and blue. And God bless you, Mark Carlson. Leland Albertson, Iowa. So I, everybody from Iowa here, which is great. I love Iowa. Purple Mafia loves Iowa. Iowa loves Purple Mafia. Thank you guys so much. Leland Albertson says, agree, good sir, salute. And then he has the flag and happy Veterans Day. And uh, gotta click love, not like on that one. Absolutely. God bless every one of you. God bless you so much. In-game threads, it was very back and forth. Lots of swearing on, from a lot of people. Lots of frustration, some excitement, especially early on. And it's like, oh boy, it was a pretty amazing, amazing night. Lots of back and forth. Ben McCarthy, Josh Mayer, Henry, just a couple of legends who got the gold and silver stars last year. A couple of legends. Both of them will be in the Hall of Fame. You know, obviously, uh, Brett McCarthy's in, and Josh Mayer Henry, and <laughs> that plaque is pretty much already made, <laughs> along with his brother. Yep, you can kind of guess what's going on there. Yep, Mark Carlson was saying, come on, the Vikings defense would bat, if the Vikings defense would bat the ball or pressure the quarterback or something, we can win this game. And it seemed like, yeah, we were never getting to the ball, just like against Kansas City Chiefs. And then finally, Kendricks does bat the ball very late. So Mark Carlson nailed that one. I mean, nailed it. Because, I mean, just bat the damn ball away. Once, just once. And it finally happened. Jeesh, that was really frustrating. Justin Mayer Henry, this is a big one here. He says, let me say, I'm tired of playing Dallas and them bringing up the Herschel Walker trade every single time. We know, everyone knows. Got something new to talk about? Or get something new to talk about? Yeah, it was in 1989. So, yeah, it is amazing that they keep talking about it all these years later. Justin Mayer Henry was saying, Rudy's having a good game. I like this. Dave Vicky was saying, they better change that call on a Cousins fumble and a Dallas TD. But you know how bad... But you know how bad we get screwed. And luckily, that one was not a fumble. It was a forward pass. Thank God. Thank God Kirk Cousins was strong enough to like let go of that ball and get that forward motion on it rather than getting a fumble. I think he realized the uh, magnitude of that situation and was able to go for the forward pass. Thank God for that. Josh Mayer Henry was saying, this team has all the damn pieces to be a legitimate contender, but for some reason they can't put it all together when they need to. And they kind of sort of did down the stretch. Kind of sort of. Jesse Ball was saying, I want to see a Vikings game where they just pound the other team for 60 minutes and never let the other team back into it. I wish they would too. Brent Jake says, uh, the offense is looking good so far. The defense is more than adequately doing its job. Loving it so far. Yes, sir. A bit of back and forth going on. Again, lots of commentary during the in-game thread. Let's get to the post-game thread. That could go on all day there, and I loved what everybody said. There was a lot in the post-game thread, which hopefully means there'll be more listeners to the show this week. It was so freaking quiet last week. So freaking quiet. The numbers were just tiny. I was saying I was I was saying I apologize to everyone for flipping out so much every time something went wrong. Kurt back out of Lake, uh, what am I going to call it? White Bear Lake, says... 
I'm the same way, Joe. I just can't help it. Dave Hickey says, you and me both. I said last week that I didn't expect them to go into Big D and get the win. I'm glad I'm wrong there. And yeah, me too. It's always a nail-biter. As a Viking fan, you can never sit back and enjoy a nice blowout. Unless it's like one of those super great years. <laughs> and enjoy a nice blowout, but I'll take them anyway. We can get them. We need to start stacking them together. And for once in a lifetime, can they play their best football at the end of the year? Not the beginning. Yes, for once in a lifetime, that would be great. Dave Vicky was saying, again, it looks like as though Delvin Cook wins the Fran Award, and he did. As for defense, it's got to go to Eric Kendricks. Uh-huh. Yep, you're nailing that one, Dave. He's going to get a star today. Um, he says, and the, and the ponder, I would have to say, is Rhodes. Like Cook, he has taken that award home so many times this year, and he is the only one that really stood out for me on either side of the ball. Yeah, it was kinda, it's kind of hard to pick one guy. I mean, Rhodes wasn't good, and he had that missed tackle. It was pathetic, but it seemed like everybody was getting beat. But yeah, I mean, I totally hear you. Maybe he was probably the overall worst one. I just couldn't come up with something. Cedric Paulding on a Mississippi says Rhodes needs to get his head straight real quick. If Rhodes can't lock down his side, we are not good enough in the secondary to cover. Cooper showed that tonight, and we still have Devontae on him to worry about, too. Dave, uh, yep, yep, that's true. Dave Hickey responds to Cedric, saying, I think the Vikings may try and deal the X-Man in the offseason, but I think the most we would get is a fifth or lower. What's everyone else thinking? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of that way, too. Yeah, it's going to be hard to get a whole lot for him at this stage, but I guess you never know. You never know. Occasionally, those guys do better in a different situation with maybe just a different scheme or whatever, or just similar, or just different surroundings, and that's all it takes on occasion. Once in a while. Yep, yep, yep. Malcolm McSween out of Southern California says, Dak played amazing tonight. I know the Vikings passed. He didn't look all that great, but he had to do with that. Russell Wilson asked. And yes, very, he, he, he really was amazing. He was amazing. He killed the Vikings. He caught us up. And then mobility and ability to get rid of the ball despite the odd angles. Like, he, you know, the kind of guy, you know, some of us might hurt our back and our hips making plays like that, but he works on that so much, even in the, uh, you know, even in the pregame warm-ups. That's what makes Dak Prescott a, an above-average quarterback, a well-above-average quarterback, probably in the top 10 in the NFL. I don't think he's a top five guy, but top ten, probably. Ben McCarthy says, pretty clear we took Elliott out of the game from the start. Our DBs, defensive backs, were on their own. We made Dak beat us, and yep, that is kind of what happened. That is kind of what happened. Yep, and they, they lost some battles, but won the uh, the war, thank God, at the end of the day. Mark Carlson continues saying, this is the end of that. No more late-game curse, right? So proud of that run, D. That was a huge factor. And Hendricks with a score-saving deflection. It's so awesome. Score. That was big. Leland says they fought their butts off last night. Another close one with a better turnout in the end. D fought like crazy to stop a prolific quarterback, but we shut down the run and made him have a one-sided pass game. Blitz just didn't work. Offensively, that drive with 10 straight runs was great. It wasn't that fun? Rudolph in the mix more with Thielen out. Now, for the elephant in the room. I hope the offensive line came up, or can, uh, the offensive line can keep up with all the injuries. Yeah, because yeah, Klein got hurt in the game. Anyone know what's second second season concussion protocol is? Total team win, Tarkington Award. I would say the whole team. Yep, yeah, because it was clear that uh, with Klein it was a concussion. He got hit in the head. It didn't look that bad. As for second season concussion, yeah, because that's probably the second time he had one. Yes, that's probably what they mean there. At the end of the day, Justin Mayer Henry says, well, 
I should be able to sleep well tonight until my arm my alarm wakes me up in a few hours at least. This team terrifies me down the stretch. They really need to figure this out. Cook and Rudy had great games. Skull. Josh Henry says, really need to fix this defense. Kirk and the offense played damn good. Uh, played damn good and and won the game. Yankee, lo, uh, locally here in uh, Brooklyn Center, says, our secondary needs major help because it's always a nail-biting situation when we could still lose by a touchdown in the fourth, but good thing the Vikings pulled through Skull. Leander Scheifer says, exciting game and a Viking victory. Brad McCarthy says, I really hate these type of games down to the wire. Ugh, a good world win. Todd Vandermay says, no pass coverage. Todd Vandermay out of Indiana, no pass coverage, but great win. Gerald Sring has uh, Kermit the Frog kind of biting his nails and shaking his head, saying, me watching the fourth quarter. Yup. Cedric Paulding responds, says, my wife thought I was on drugs. I couldn't I couldn't stop basing, biting my nails. Ali Sidikai locally says, what a win. Yep, no doubt. Brett McCarthy continues again, saying, I think Zimmer's game plan was to take Zeke out of the game. It's pretty clear. And our DBs had to fend for themselves. We made Dak beat us, and when we needed a big play at the end, we did. Elutra Marioni, nice. That's interesting. He, <laughs> I like that name. All those people trashing the defense. They held Elliott to the lowest rushing total at home in his career and kept the top-rated offense under 30 points. Chill the bleep out. And, no, oh, that's a good one. That's that's good. That's good. Um, yep, as frustrating as the pass defense was, they held the Cowboys 24, so good. That, that got a lot of likes. That's a star. That's going to be a star. Yep. Kenneth Shepard says players hurt in secondary needs help. Yep. Brent Jake says may not have been the prettiest, but a win is a win. Kirk Back says I can't believe it. Cedric Balding says Skull. Heather Heather Hagnorn says secondary made dumb mistakes. That's what we need to fix. Other than that, good stuff. Skull, kids. Kurt Back wraps it up saying good thing I took my blood pressure pills. Yep. <laughs> yep. Good thing you took your blood pressure pills. Boy, that's going to be an interesting one here. It's going to be very interesting to see who gets uh, awards and such. Uh, Dave Hickey, Leland, Elutra, those three should bring in some awards, obviously. Uh, Dave Martin, the, the Twitter the Twitter king, always deserves a star, always. And you know what? Brent Jacobson deserved a star last week. He really did. And you know, and I felt so bad. I was like, I completely forgot. Brent Jacobson is going to share a gold-plated silver star for last week's episode. And I truly, truly apologize for that. I didn't get to that. Um, who's going to get the gold star this week? We're going to go with Leland. Leland Albertson is going to get the gold star this week. Elutra Marioni is going to bring in a gold-plated silver star. Like, basically, just about a gold star right there. Just freaking awesome. Yeah, absolutely awesome. Uh, Dave Vicky and Brett McCarthy are going to ring in the bronze. And I think, uh, actually, Brett McCarthy should share a silver. And I think uh, Dave Vicky and Josh Mayer Henry should bring in the bronze without a doubt. Even Justin Mayer Henry, what an awesome week back and forth. Really love having him involved and had a lot to say. All you guys should get bronzes in uh, awesome week. Awesome week uh, for you guys. Love the interaction. Love everything you had to say. Great football minds and uh, great Viking fans and can't fan, thank you enough. And of course, all of you veterans again, because there are more than one out there, I'm sure, that listen to this show. Including, uh, well, well, all the Carlsons have been veterans. So, uh, so uh, God bless you. All the Carlson men there have been veterans, so God bless you. If uh, 
if the if Mark Carlson's son's still listening as well, is it? Uh, yep, uh, Mr. Very much. I believe it's Adam Carlson. I, I apologize if I'm giving the wrong name. I really do. It's been a while, and I missed him. He used to tweet a lot, and now he's gotten quiet. He called in a couple times. Loved his call-ins. It was kind of funny how he said it, but it was good though. It was a great call-in. I miss hearing from you guys. Remember, there's the uh, audio submission route now, which is really, really super easy to do. And then Larry Carlson. Yep, I believe that's uh, Mark Carlson's father there as well. So awesome, 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 awesome. <laughs> At the end of the day. God bless you guys, man. Seriously, though. Seriously. Um, looking forward to Thanksgiving coming, too. But obviously, that's a little ways off. Very likely we'll have a show next week unless something comes in, gets in the way, but very likely will. Hopefully it warms up a little bit. It's freezing out there right now here in the Twin Cities area in Golden Valley Apartment looking out right now. Beautiful sunlight, beautiful blue sky, crunchy, frozen leaves rustling with uh, kind of some powdered snow on the ground. Shouldn't be a big problem in a couple of days, but it's a problem right now. Just a little bit not, just not good conditions to get stuff done at this second. But uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. I'm glad I'm able to do the show. I thought I was going to have to Cancel this one for this week, and I didn't have to, thank God. So, let's get to the contact details and such. There is no phone line. Phone line's done. Audio submission route. Audio submission route only, okay? Use the free voice recording application on your smart device, or you can even use a recording software on a laptop or desktop, Audacity, with a microphone, whatever you want to do. Record your call. Keep it to around five minutes or so. It could, it could be less. It could be more. But nothing too crazy unless it's like the Vikings won the Super Bowl or something. Because, yeah, they haven't won the Super Bowl yet. So <laughs> unless it's like a Super Bowl champion show or something, then it's like just go. Just go. Talk for however long and enjoy it. That type of thing. But, yep, you just save it and then send it to Paladino Live at Yahoo.com. Paladino Live at Yahoo.com. Greatly appreciated in advance for those of you that would do that. I will then convert it into an MP3 file thanks to Zamzar or Converto.com. I'm more than willing to give a free plug for those websites because they give me a free service that helps me with my show even though we've never met, that type of thing. So it's just you help me, I help you, that type of thing. Anybody needs to convert a small file, it's free. And a larger file you probably need to, like if you need to regularly do it and all that stuff, you do a monthly subscription which is probably like 10 bucks a month or less, maybe 7 bucks. I can't remember the exact fee, but it's not much. Uh, and it's more than likely if it's something big that you need to do regularly, it's probably worth every penny at the end of the day, because it is what it is. I might end up needing it someday if I need to record shows uh, in a different format. You never know. It is what it is, folks. It is what it is. Thank you, those of you, so much. Please tell your friends about the show if you could. At Purple Mafia Show Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show for the Facebook page, or simply look it up and join the page if you could. Tell your friends about the show. If I didn't say that 16 times already, I apologize. Uh, write a positive rating on iTunes. Those of you that have, thank you very much. Somebody put a rating on there but didn't actually have a review. So I saw the number go up but no review. And that happened like like a month ago. So I saw no change. It is what it is. But yeah, if you'd like to write a short review, tell us what you like about the show, maybe what you like improved. Uh, yeah, I, I would greatly appreciate it. It's... So much appreciated. You're always going to get a star if you do that. You might get the gold. You might get the silver. Even a bronze is way better than nothing. I mean, I'm recognizing you and thanking you so very much for uh, your love to the show. And uh, I can only love you back. I can only love you back. With that said, we'll talk to you next week. And hopefully Minnesota continues in the positive direction with an 8-3 record.